We love to celebrate the stories of people who put their lives on the line for something bigger than themselves. But increasingly, we are being encouraged by the media and influencers to celebrate those who unshamably self-promote and push themselves into the limelight rather than looking to the needs of others. We've stopped venerating those that sacrifice for others and have begun to venerate those that look after number one. Now, nobody changed the world like Jesus did. But even he who mattered more than any other human who has ever walked the earth spent his life giving himself away to others. He called us to follow in his footsteps. Whoever loses their life will find it. Um, Martin has called this project Other. And while I was preparing, it just struck me as the other thing you could say is how to follow Christ, what it actually means, um, saying that I've decided to become a Christian and follow Christ. So um, the title is Sacrifice and Not Comfort. And the reading is taken from Luke. I'll, I'll just read it out. It says large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he's not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have can not be my disciples. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile, it is thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. And that's from Luke chapter 14, verses 25 to 35. Part of what Martin gave me included this. It says in 1776, Thomas Jefferson wrote that the pursuit of happiness is an inalienable right of all humanity. In our modern world, that happiness has been equated with comfort, ensuring we feel safe, secure, and have an abundance of material goods. But does comfort really bring happiness? Or does it instead stop us from reaching our true God-given potential? Is comfort a hindrance to following Jesus? Is, is comfort our God? Jesus says he's come to give us abundant life, 
but it was also clear that there was a significant cost to being his disciples. So what does it mean to carry our cross and follow Jesus? And can it really bring us happiness? I've put a few things up on the next slide when it comes up. Here we are. And, and, and they're things that you, you will probably remember, the strap lines. So there's the advert that says, because you're worth it. You know, that's you, worth it. The one you may or may not be able to see there with the little child with the lovely smile uh, says, give me the groceries I asked for and a puppy that plays football. And, and the strap line for them is be more demanding. And if you've ever served in a public facing role, GPs, receptionists, Tesco's, you don't want people to be more demanding at all. And then there's another chap, um, I think it's Jared Kintz is his name. He says, I've demanded of myself to be more demanding of others. And that's his mantra. Most of you, quite a lot, remember Frank Sinatra, who said, I did it my way. And, and, and these are things we hear, some we believe, and some we actually work out in our lives. So, sorry about this. What the world tells us, and that was a bit in the video we had, is look after number one. And if you're wondering why you should, it says it's because you're worth it. And while you're doing that, please be more demanding because it's your right. And if you actually cast your minds back to Garden of Eden, Cain and Abel, one of the first things Cain asks is, am I my brother's keeper? Why should I bother? That's what the world tells us. This is how to get by. So if you live your life that way, and many of us have, you kind of get to a stage where you realize you're not content with this life you've chosen. Sometimes it's somebody telling you, sometimes it's just you alone in the quiet one evening, just realizing something is missing. Sometimes it's that people have just hit rock bottom and they realize they need to change. So sometimes you turn to self-help books, 10 ways to do this and 10 steps to do that and 23 ways to approach things. And, and sometimes you actually do make a change other times you turn to religion. So let's assume you turned to religion and you turned up at church, Holy Baptist Church, for instance. You come to church, you find community, you find structure, and, and, and for the first time, your life seems ordered. What's more, people are noticing the change in you. You've become a regular churchgoer. And, and it, surely things will be easier from now on. But they aren't. It's a bit as difficult as moving this on. Life starts to seem like a struggle. It's not quite as comfortable as we thought. Give you some examples. The challenges you're going to face, um, persecution, for some people, this is much more real than others. We've got examples in church here where people have faced severe persecution. There's physical ill health. I was talking um, earlier to someone about, you know, just seeing someone walking in on crutches. And, and, and so some people have had significant physical problems they're dealing with. 
they're the mental stresses which aren't always clear disappointments in life relationship issues whether that's at work whether that's within the family children spouses dealing with bad news you switch on the telly and sometimes you just want to switch it off and then there's financial hardship there's a cost of living crisis and for different people this this is real it's not just something they're hearing it's something they're living and then in the bible paul says there's another challenge you would face and it's your old way of life talks about sexual immorality impurity idolatry quarreling jealousy outbursts of anger drunkenness wild parties etc but you're a christian how come these are still an issue i've put down their andy's party just to try to bring it home so i just graduated from um university and went in to do my house job and 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 one of my closest friends who'd been there all 7 years in university studying going to parties and then i became a christian and we were still quite close friends he was muslim was christian in nigeria those days it didn't matter you just everyone just got on and i started going to church life changed a bit life changed a lot and then it was andy's party he was going to be 21 this was it the big thing we'd always organize parties together and i realized i was going to have a problem i wasn't going to be able to go and i hadn't told andy this so he kept the arrangements were going on and it was very close to the weekend and i said andy i'm sorry i i won't be able to go and he couldn't believe it it was like but it's my 21st i said i know i said but Yeah, I know you're a Christian, but it's my 21st. <laughs> you know, you should be able to come to this. I I didn't. And it was about the first time I'd actually met that choice between do I choose between what I think would be the right thing to follow Christ or do I go to this party? Now I've been to parties since. I'm not saying I stopped going to parties then, but for me at that point in time I had a choice to make. The problem is although the holes are still round we've become square pegs and we don't quite now fit into the world's mold. It's not so easy for us to go and have the seven pints at the pub and walk back home and feel yeah that's all right. But those challenges are still there. The question is how how do we deal with them? A few questions for you. Do, do you strive for what you left behind that old life? or do you learn to walk in the new life you have and and Paul is quite clear about this in the bible he begs us don't conform to the pattern of this world be transformed by the renewing of your mind sometimes we actually try to see if we can get the best of both worlds maybe if i just instead of having seven pints had just three probably still be okay for church in the morning um and and Christ reminds us you can't serve God and money you can't you you know you can either you can't serve two masters you will love one or hate the other and then sometimes we walk away take you back to um John's gospel Jesus has just fed 5000 people 
five loaves and two fishes, just fed them on the hillside. And then they come back to him and he says, look, I know you've come back to find me, but actually I think it's the food you're looking for, not me. And he starts talking and he says, look, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. They had initially been asking for this bread and they thought, hang on, what do you mean you're the bread of life? And I've often wondered what it would be like had I been alive when Jesus was here. How would I have related to him? So let's assume I'd actually decided I was going to be part of his, the group following him. And then I hear him saying, I am the bread of life. Hmm. And then he makes it even more difficult. He says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part of me. I start wondering. Hmm. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? And he goes further to tell them a few more things. And he says, this is why I told you, no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. It was, this was a bit more than they, they could deal with. I'll tell you about another person who found it a struggle. This story will be familiar to quite a few of you. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I've kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go, sell everything you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. So some leave Christ because they think what he's saying is just outrageous. Another because there was just too much to give up. I... Sorry about this. I'll give you guys the question. When push comes to shove and a choice needs to be made, will you choose Jesus or something else dear to you? And this passage we started with in, in Luke, I've struggled a bit with, because Christ says, unless you hate people who are dear to you, you can't follow him. But I'd read it slightly differently. If anyone comes to me and doesn't hate father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, even their own life, they can't be my disciple. He's not saying I'll turn you away. He's saying the road is hard enough. You're gonna need to travel light. I'd love to have gone to church, but oh, what would my dad think? I'd love to have helped that person, but what would my boss think? Christ has asked me to do this, but what would my friends think? As long as there is something you hold more dear, you can't walk this walk. And Christ is trying to tell us, 
the road is hard enough, you need to travel light. While I was putting this together, I remember the story of the three Hebrew children in Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the king had made this big statue and asked everyone to kneel and bow before it. And they said they wouldn't. They got brought before the king and he was not happy at all. And he told them, look, give you one more chance. If you don't do this, then I'm going to throw you into the fiery furnace. And I'm just going to have to read their words as they said it. They said, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you've set up. Did they hate the king? No, they served due respect to him. But they put their God above him. And we're going to get to stages in life where the choice that has to be made is a tough one. But as long as we think of what it is we stand to lose, rather than what it is we stand to gain, we struggle. The next part of this is actually, you've now become a Christian and you're trying to do that Christian walk. And Christ actually says, this is going to be tough. Talks about if you want to build a tower, aren't you going to sit down and see what it might cost you? It talks about if you're going to war, aren't you going to see, first of all, whether you might win? And these are some of the things that Christ told the people who were going to follow him. I'll come to that chapter um, shortly. There's a chap called Matthew Henry who writes commentaries. And this is one of the things he says about this. He says, those that intend to build this tower must sit down and count the cost. Let them consider it will cost them the mortifying of their sins, even their most beloved lusts. It will cost them a life of self-denial and watchfulness and a constant cause of holy duties. It may perhaps cost them their reputation among men, their estates and liberties, and all that is dear to them in this world, even life itself. It's about the fine print. Matthew Henry says, Satan shows us the best, but hides the worst. Just try that. You'll get a high, no problems. Then you're addicted. Christ shows that we must consider the expenses of our religion and the perils of it. A few examples. In Luke, Christ was, talk was walking and someone said to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus told him, foxes have dens to live in, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place even to lay his head. He was basically saying, there isn't a huge amount of comfort here if that's what you're looking for. Then a second person said, come. He said to another person, come, follow me. The man agreed, but he said, let me first go home and bury my father. And Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Again, I looked at those and those seemed very harsh. But then this is to do with obligation. 
Sometimes we think our duties are such that we can't afford to go with Christ. He says, leave that to one side. Then there's another one who says, can I go and say goodbye to my family? And Jesus told him, anyone who starts the journey then looks back isn't fit. So even common courtesy sometimes gets in the way of following Christ. Back to this again, the road is hard enough. Let's not hold on to anything so dearly that we can't let it go. When Christ says, just let that go. We need to travel light. There's just one more bit I'd like to share with you before we move on about things which hold us back. And this is something I put in one of the yours um, articles many, well, quite a while ago now. It's from Max Lucado. And he tells the story of a young boy named Johnny who was shooting rocks with a slingshot that he could just never hit his target. And as he returned to his grandma's backyard, he saw her pet duck. And then he just on impulse took him and left fly the stone hit and the duck was dead. Johnny panicked and hid the duck in the wood pile, only to look up and see his sister Sally watching. After lunch that day, Grandma told Sally to help with the dishes. Sally said, Johnny told me he wanted to help in the kitchen today, didn't you, Johnny? And she whispered to him, remember the duck. So Johnny did the dishes. What choice did he have? For the next several weeks, he was at the sink often, sometimes for his duty, sometimes for his sin. Remember the duck, Sally would say. So wary of the chore, he decided that any punishment would be better than washing more dishes. So he confessed to killing the duck. I know, Johnny, his grandma said, giving him a hug. I was standing at the window and saw the whole thing. Because I love you, I forgave you. I wondered how long you would let Sally make a slave out of you. Sometimes it's things we've done that stop us from walking with Christ. David uh, wrote quite a few of the Psalms. I don't know if this is one of the ones he did, but it's Psalm 103. And I've just highlighted parts of it. He says about God, he forgives all my sins. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He won't constantly accuse us or remain angry forever. He has removed our sins as far from us as the East is from the West. You've been forgiven. Let go of the past. The road is hard enough. You need to travel light. If there's anything holding you back where you think God may not accept you, let it go. Time to move forward. We're almost there. <clears throat> so the task at hand, and Helen said this when she um, spoke quite recently, Christ has asked us to go and make disciples of all the nations. And that's going to be a task in itself. How do we do this? He's asked us to carry our cross, but to do it his way, not our way. When things are looking tight and so on, Christ realizes this. And he says, come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. 
for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We need to remember to do it Christ's way. I'll take you back to that bit where some of the disciples walked away because this was quite a hard thing. And then the rich young ruler, when he left, the disciples asked Christ, after Christ said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to come to the kingdom of God, they said, how then can anyone? And Christ told them, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Peter then says, Lord, we have left everything to follow you. And Christ told him, truly I tell you, no one who has left home or brothers, sisters, mother or father, children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. We had baptisms, some of you might remember, around Easter, and people gave their testimonies, and some of us could only imagine what it was they had to leave behind. But Christ's promise is in this present age, he will reward them. There will be persecutions, but there's also going to be, in the age to come, eternal life. So the challenges we face in the world I listed them before, bad news, financial hardships. This is how not to deal with them. Look after number one, be more demanding because you're worth it. Stand on your rights regardless of the consequences. This is how to deal with them. The Holy Spirit who Christ left will bless us with these. And, and I just imagine if you're that GP's receptionist and the person in front of you was patient and kind and gentle. If you then bumped into them at Holy Baptist Church, it'd be a great thing. These, however, sometimes you look and you think if you were the one sitting in that airport at Gatwick 17 hours later, still not knowing where your flight is, self-control is likely to be very little. Uh, and so it's one thing to just say this, if we do it our way, we're destined to fail. But Christ has said, my grace is sufficient for you. And that's what we're going to need. That grace is available to any of us if we seek for it and make use of it. So the journey of being a Christian, we are now square pegs in a world full of round holes. Am I my brother's keeper? Yes, we are but sometimes that will require sacrifice instead of comfort. What things in your life are making it difficult for you to follow Christ? Do you sometimes feel that it might be easier to walk away from following Christ and return to your old life? In all things, especially when times seem difficult, 
remember to trust in God with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Thank you.